this is one of those teams that, that works during the week preparing the songs to help lead us into the presence of the Lord, and they do an awesome, awesome job each and every week, and we are grateful. Um, and that's one of the, the teams you'll, you'll see next week. Hey, if you, if you have musical talents and abilities and, and you're interested in getting connected, you'll have the opportunity to learn more about different ways to do that. And if you were with us last week, you know we kicked off a sermon series called Living the Five, where we are talking together about five life principles for followers of Jesus. And last week, we looked at the first principle. Does anybody remember what it was? You can't do life alone. I'm going to give you one way. Okay, you know, you can't do life alone. So memorable. You can't do life alone. And this week, we're going to look at a second one, and that is this, growing people change. Would you say that with me? Growing people change. This is the principle I want to talk with you about this morning. And when I think about this spiritual principle, I think about, first of all, my son, Patrick. Here he is, tiny, 10-pound, 3-ounce Patrick at birth, a.k.a. PJ, a.k.a. whatever you want to call him. Here he was. We, we thought he was so cute, but he looks so angry now looking back, doesn't he? He just looks kind of angry, but like this, is, this was like our first sight of him when he was born. And then, of course, because he, he was healthy and he was growing in a healthy way, he began to change over time. So here you have him. This is like uh, three months old or so, got a little hair. He's like, why did you put me in this outfit? He, you know, why do we do this to babies? I don't know. But, you know, he was growing a little bit, starting to open his eyes more, get a little more expressive. And then here he is a little later, um, just enjoying life, babbling, sticking out his tongue, had his, uh, his little cranial helmet to help shape his head as it grew and changed. And so he, he was growing, changing. Um, and then this is him as he continues to grow at Brewster's. He loves ice cream. His palate is changing. It's developing over time. And so that's him. And then this is him today. This was on vacation. He just walked up and kissed a pig, and I thought I had to take a picture. And I'm a proud dad. I don't know why he did it, but it was there, so I thought I would capture that. But I mean, you know, as he is growing, now he's walking, now he's, he's running around, he's having a ton of fun. He is changing. And when I look at him day to day, because I see him each day, like I don't always notice the changes going on in his life. But when I step back and look at pictures from different segments, I mean, I can clearly see that he has grown and he has changed. And now, when we, when we look in Scripture, the Apostle Paul and, and Peter, they both talk about this image of, of people being like babies. They kind of say, hey, look, some of you have recently been born again, and so you're like a baby in Christ. You're like a, a child. And, and that's not a bad thing. Like, that's okay, but, but God wants you to grow and to change and to mature as a believer in him. And this doesn't always happen instantly, but, but this is something that we want to grow and change over time. This is a spiritual principle that I want to talk with you about this morning, about how we grow from being like babies in Christ to being spiritually mature believers. And, and I think all of us at a level want to grow, but we don't always know how to grow, and we don't always know what growing and changing even looks like, what the trajectory we're on is. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And when it comes to change... And where change begins, I mean, I, I think a great place to begin is, is Scripture. So we're going to be looking at the story this morning of a man named Zacchaeus. And you might not 
know his story exactly from the Bible, but if you grew up in church at all, you might know his song. Does anybody know the song about Zacchaeus? You know it. Sing it for us. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He wanted to see. That's all I know. That's all I remember. Yeah, it keeps going, okay? If you don't know what just happened, you didn't grow up at Vacation Bible School, and that's okay, okay? The song is a good one. You can go on YouTube. You can look it up. It's, it's a pretty good song. And actually, it's a pretty biblically accurate song that helps us remember the story of this man named Zacchaeus. But like a lot of children's songs, it's a little bit safe. It's a little bit sanitized. It has some of the edges cut off of it a little bit. But, but we want to look at Zacchaeus' story this morning, and we find it in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, this interesting man named Zacchaeus. And we come across this story when one day Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And Luke tells us there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he adds this detail. He says he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And now today in our world, a lot of people don't like tax collectors. But in their world, it was like that, but it was amplified. Because tax collectors... uh, weren't just kind of typical people doing their job they were supposed to do. I mean, in their culture, Rome was basically occupying their land, ruling over them, and they were levying taxes on all these Jewish people. And so what they would do is they would get tax collectors like Zacchaeus, who were, who were Jewish men, to go and to collect taxes on the state's behalf. And so the chief tax collector, uh, people viewed him as a traitor because he's working basically for the enemy. And so tax collectors were despised and people didn't like them. And not only that, the way the chief tax collector worked is they would usually front the money to the Romans and then they would hire people under them to go and recoup all their money. And when they were recouping money, charging taxes, they wouldn't just charge what they passed on to the government. They would charge extra so all the tax collectors could make a profit and get wealthy in the process. And so Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was wealthy and he was despised by many people in that community. And then we continue, verse three. This man Zacchaeus, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And now, just like if you saw a grown man climbing a tree in your neighborhood, it's kind of weird, right? Like, it would have been weird then. It wasn't like this was a common thing, that people were just always doing that. It was a little odd. But, but Zacchaeus climbed into the tree. He was seeking Jesus. And then when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up to him and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. The people weren't happy about this. Because all these people are, are, are seeing Jesus. They, they'd all been hearing about Jesus, different things. And they're thinking, why would Jesus be with somebody like him? Jesus shouldn't be with somebody like him, a known sinner, someone who's doing these bad things. Jesus should be with people like us, the righteous people, the, the, the people who know what's going on, the super spiritual people. They're upset, and so outside of Zacchaeus' house, they're just grumbling and complaining about who Jesus is choosing to meet with, while inside Zacchaeus' house, he and Jesus 
are having a conversation. And now we don't know exactly what was said. We don't know if they were laughing, if they were crying, if they were hugging, if they were having a very serious talk. We're not sure. But, but when you went in somebody's house in their culture and ate with them and had table fellowship, it was a sign of friendship. It was more significant than, than just going to Starbucks together. And so inside Zacchaeus' house, he has this encounter with Jesus. And then we continue and we see how he responded to his encounter with Jesus. In verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And I love that line there, verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And one thing I like about Zacchaeus' story is in it we see that, that Jesus didn't have a relationship with Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus made all these changes in his life. Zacchaeus changed because he met Jesus and had a relationship with Jesus. Zacchaeus, he, did, he, didn't, he didn't do anything to earn or to deserve Jesus' place in his household. Jesus sought him out, a known sinner, and said, I want a relationship with you. I want to be with you. And as he spent time in the presence of Jesus, he changed. And we see some of the concrete changes that took place in his life. I mean, he was glad, he was joyful to spend this time with Jesus. And he said, look, if I've cheated anybody, I will give them four times the amount. That's a ton of money. And he said, look, here and now, Jesus, after meeting you, I give half of my possessions to the poor. These weren't prerequisites to knowing Jesus. These were changes that took place in his life after knowing Jesus. He moved from someone who was greedy and who loved money too much to someone who is generous and who is freely giving it away. And in scripture, these concrete changes that we see in Zacchaeus's life have a name. And what they're called over and over again is fruit. This is an example of fruit. And now you know what fruit is. My son knows what fruit is. He eats a banana every morning. Fruit is, is the natural outgrowth of seed-bearing plants. It's, it's good. It's, it's beautiful usually. Um, it helps give nourishment for life. And, and Jesus said that each of us as his followers are called to bear fruit. In one of his final conversations with his disciples, John chapter 15, he says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Later, the Apostle Paul describes the type of fruit that Jesus was talking about. We, we spent a long time last year talking about this verse of Scripture where Paul says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so this here is a picture of the type of change, the type of fruit that we are called to bear in our lives as the Holy Spirit works in us. When we think about, okay, well, what does a changed life look like? It looks like this. It looks like being more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more kind, more compassionate. And if you think about this list, what is it painting? It's painting a picture of Jesus. 
That's what we're called to be as the Holy Spirit works in our life and grows us closer to Jesus is we're changed into his likeness. We become more like him and we bear fruit. And so when we think about Zacchaeus' story and how that relates to us, the good news is that the God meets us right where we are. If you feel like you are a horrible sinner this morning, Jesus is here for you. If you feel like you have it all together, Jesus is here for you. If your life is messy or broken, Jesus is seeking you out and he wants a relationship with you and he's not waiting on you to clean yourself up before he encounters you. He wants to encounter you and then change you. He meets us where we are, but he doesn't want to leave us there. He wants to transform us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. And now look, when we come to know Christ for the first time, a lot of times there are immediate changes like in Zacchaeus' life. We receive forgiveness, a new purpose, a new identity, a joy in our step. We see Zacchaeus when he's born again, he is changed. But, but this isn't just a one-time change that God wants in our lives. When we are born again, when we come to know him and have a relationship with him, that is the starting line of our life of faith, not the finish line. It's the starting line. From there forward, God's spirit wants to continue to work in us, changing us from the inside out. And so because this is true, that that growing people change, the hard question we have to ask ourselves is if, if we feel like we're not growing and we're not changing, if we feel like we've been in church our whole lives and we're more bitter, more angry, less loving, What's going on? I mean, we have to ask ourselves, look, if we're not bearing fruit, what's the problem? And now, if you had a plant in your household and it wasn't bearing fruit, it wasn't growing like it should, what would you do? Hopefully, you'd give it another season, not just toss it in the trash, but hopefully you'd think, okay, maybe it needs some more water. Maybe it needs sunlight. Maybe it needs some different soil. Maybe the pot's too small. Right, you, you would think, okay, what, what do we maybe need to add to the plant to help it grow? What do we need to subtract, take away so that the plant can grow in a healthy way and bear fruit? And I think it's the same way in our lives spiritually. If we feel like we're not growing and we're not changing, we need to take an honest look at our lives and say maybe some things need to be added or maybe some things need to be taken away so that we can become the people God has created us to be. And James Bryan Smith, he's an he's a author and has a great little book called The Good and Beautiful God, and he hits this problem head on. And he says, look, most of us who are Christ followers, we want to change, right? We have the desire to change. We want to be more patient. We want to be more loving. We want to be more kind. We want to be different, and, and yet for so many of us, we struggle to change because a lot of times we think, okay, if I just want to change, that's enough. Or if I just believe I can change, that's enough. But, but, but sometimes we think, you know what, I, I can't change. Or maybe we really haven't seen many people in our lives change. Or, or maybe we've been trying with our own willpower over and over again and we keep failing. And so James Bryan Smith says maybe there's a different way. Maybe we need to look at doing some things differently. And he says we need to look at, at the big components of our lives, our, our thoughts, our actions, our relationships with God and 
with other people. And so he puts forth this diagram in the book, which I found helpful, uh, which could be called like the triangle of transformation. And uh, here it is right here. And if you look in the center here, the center of this triangle of transformation is the Holy Spirit. Because no change in our life, no spiritual change in our life happens apart from the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the desire to even want to change. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power and the ability to change. And because this is true, one of the prayers I pray each day is this. It's very simple. It's come, Holy Spirit, fill me again. And most of the time I follow it with, I need you. I can't do it on my own. I've tried and I've failed. And I encourage you to make that your prayer. To say, come, Holy Spirit, fill me. I can't do it on my own. I've tried and I've failed. And that prayer is less about you and me getting more of the Holy Spirit. And it's more about letting the Holy Spirit get a hold of more of us surrendering our lives, everything we have to the Holy Spirit over and over again because the Holy Spirit is the power that gives us the ability to change change it all. And now sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is just gonna overpower us in a moment and everything's gonna be different. And the Holy Spirit can work that way. But so often in our lives, the Holy Spirit works in cooperation with us in our daily lives. And so that's where these other points of the triangle come in. And so you have at the top, prioritizing truth. This is, this is thinking things that are true and not thinking things that are false. John chapter 16, verse 13 says this. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into truth. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth and wants to guide us into truth. And so what the Holy Spirit wants to do is transform our ways of thinking to remove the negative thoughts from our minds and the negative ways of viewing the world and viewing God and viewing ourselves and replacing them with truth. And you know how powerful our minds are, right? I mean, if you're thinking, you know what? God hates me. I can't change. I'm worthless. I'm no good. Things aren't gonna get any better and it's all hopeless. Guess what? A lot of times those become a reality in your daily life. But when the Holy Spirit comes and you begin thinking different thoughts, when you begin opening up scripture and reading who God is and who he created us to be, you realize we have the power to change through the Holy Spirit. We have purpose. God wants to make us more like his son. We can be more loving and more kind. We, we, we understand our identity and who God is and what God's able to do and that shapes our reality. And so prioritizing truth in our minds is a key aspect of changing that the Holy Spirit works through. But then there, there, there's more than just that. I mean, there's changing our thinking, but if you look over here, there's also practicing spiritual disciplines. That's what we're doing with our, our lives and with our bodies. And we, we talk about the spiritual disciplines a lot here because they're so important. And these are, are simply practices. These are things we do that put us in the presence of God, where there are things we do where, where God has promised to meet us with his grace, like, like prayer. Prayer is talking with God, and God says when we speak to him, he listens. And in prayer, we also hear from God, listen ourselves. And we grow, we're, we're changed. This is where scripture reading comes in. 
when we open up God's word and we, we learn truth, this is where things like fasting come in, giving up certain things so that we can make more room for God in our lives. This is where generosity comes in. Because when we give God of our resources, our, our hearts go in that direction, our faith grows. This is where worship comes in. When we gather together corporately, something happens that can't happen when we're all on our own. This is where Holy Communion is. These spiritual disciplines shape us as God meets us in his spirit and changes us. And so these are a key aspect of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, not just sitting back passively thinking we're going to wake up as a different person, but actively putting ourselves in the presence of God. And then there's this, this other aspect, which we really talked about last week a lot. And that is participating in community. The people around us push us in a direction. And we all have to ask ourselves, are the people we're surrounding ourselves with pushing us in a direction we want to go or in a direction we don't want to go? And you can see this in many areas of life. I mean, look, if you don't want to spend a lot of money eating out and, and go into bars and restaurants, but that's what all your friends are doing and you want to hang out with your friends, like you're probably going to do all that stuff. But if all your friends like to hang around the house and not eat out and not do any of that stuff, guess what? You're probably not going to do any of it either. Like our environments are very powerful shapers of our life. And as we mentioned earlier, God uses people in our lives to shape us and to change us. And so this is a key aspect of God's work as well. And so when we look at all these, prioritizing truth, practicing spiritual disciplines, participating in community, all empowered by the Holy Spirit, this, this is like a recipe for long-lasting spiritual change in our lives, not like a five-day juice cleanse where on the seventh day you're back to normal. We're talking about long-lasting spiritual change. That's what God wants for our lives as we grow. And so the... the the two questions I have for you this morning are this. What is one area in your life you want to change? I mean, have you identified that? A lot of us are unsatisfied with our lives or different aspects of it. What is one area of your life where you want to grow and change? This morning, I want you to identify that and bring it before the Lord. And then the second question is this. What, what aspect of this triangle might be missing or might be very weak in your life? Maybe you're trying to do it all on your own, in your own power, and it's not working. Maybe, maybe you need to change some of the ways you're thinking. Maybe, maybe you need to, to make time daily for God through the spiritual disciplines. Maybe, maybe you need to evaluate your community and surround yourself with some, some people who are headed in a different direction. So I want you to identify an area of change and then identify which of these is is the weakest, and then commit before the Holy Spirit, say, I, I want this to be different. Would you help me? And, and maybe some of you here this morning are like Zacchaeus. Maybe, maybe you're not a believer in Jesus. Maybe you're just curious or you're, or you're seeking, like, like he climbed up a tree. Maybe you're just today to kind of check it out. I wanna, I wanna say to you that the spiritual change begins with a relationship with Jesus. And so if you don't have that relationship, I would love to talk with you more about how you can meet Jesus, encounter him, and begin this journey of transformation that he desires 
for each of us because change is not only possible, change is God's desire for our lives. And this week as I was, as I was preparing the message, uh, I felt like God wanted me to call Gretchen Conus. Where's Gretchen? There she is. She's going to be on the screen in a minute. But I didn't know why. I was like, maybe she, you know, she's been a Christian a long time. She has a story of change. I was like, maybe the Holy Spirit wants me to like ask her to share her story of change. So I called her and I literally said all of that. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just calling you. I feel like the Holy Spirit might want you to share something. Maybe this is God. Maybe this is like my hungry stomach. I don't know. And uh, she prayed about it and she said, I'd be happy to share. I'd be happy to share my story of how God has changed me over time. And so I, I'm, I'm going to let you hear her story in just a moment of some ways God has changed her. Because it's so easy to look at people and think, well, that's a pastor or that's, that's somebody famous. But God wants to change the life of every person in this room in big ways and in small ways. And so in closing this morning, I want to invite you to sit back and watch her testimony. Good morning, my name is Gretchen Konus, and Jonathan approached me a few days ago and asked me if I would um, share my faith as it has grown through the years with you. And um, I said yes, and I will explain why during my talk I said yes. And uh, so I went back about eight to 10 years and I thought, well, that's a good place to start. I was still working um, full time. I had a job and a half. Um, had a, a keeping a household, had a wonderful marriage. Um, things were going good in my life. Um, I was part of a small group, had a great home church, and things were just going good. Um, so I really thought everything was fine, but um, I, I had a sense that God was calling me to something deeper than what I had. Yeah, I did devotions. Um, uh, uh, but I think there was something more. I was missing something. I wanted a deeper relationship with him, and I think he was calling me, and I think the time was ripe for me to do, do that. So what I found out that as I sought him more, and he was waiting for that, through Bible study, through prayer, he changed my perspective, my priorities about what I was doing. I was still the same person, but... Inside, I was changing. My to-do list um, changed. I looked at it, and I went, is that really the most important thing to do? And what I discovered that what was the most important thing was not um, how many hours I could work <laughs> or how clean my house could be or how wonderful a meal could be, but it was whose life did I impact today? Did I make a difference because I was here and the, the Lord allowed me to have this day today? So my whole perspective and my whole priorities changed to growing into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And as this happened, I found out that I had and was developing um, something strange that I had not thought about before or even realized I needed, and that was humility. As I surrendered myself to the will of the Lord and became more humble and open and transparent, man, God just rushed in and could use that situation. 
and just grew me up. And things changed. My good life got better. Um, joy, a peace that I had never known, was just all over me. My daughter even had said to me one time, gee, Mom, you've changed. And I went, yes. Oh, that was good. <laughs> so humility um, really became an important part of my growth process with that. Um, and as I said, I realized that relationships were the most important thing. And um, I'll give you an example of something that was just out of the world that happened to me. I was working, and my boss, who I'd known a little bit before she became my boss, all of a sudden just was riding me all the time. I could not do anything to please her. I tried so hard. And I finally talked to my husband, and he said, well, have you tried to pray for her? And I said, no. So I started praying for this person, sincerely from my heart. And in a few months, I approached my husband again and said, you know what? She's changed. She's changed. She's not writing me. She doesn't humiliate me in front of my peers anymore. And in his wisdom, he said to me, she probably really didn't change. You changed. Aha. I surrendered. It was not my will, not Gretchen's will. It was God's will. And he was doing a work in me, as he will in all of us. So then what came next was very surprising to me. I realized that my faith was too big not to share. I couldn't stop talking about my faith. But I grew up really as a timid woman. And I needed boldness, so I started asking for boldness. So the Lord gave opportunity after opportunity for me to demonstrate this boldness. I was asked to facilitate a small group. I felt unworthy. Um, I had leadership opportunities that came up that stretched me. Um, my opportunities with um, Operation Christmas Child increased so that I spoke in front of audiences when that used to just terrify me. And all this time, all this happened unexpectedly because I just surrendered myself and my will. And the, and the song that we sing that I love so much, um, more of him and less of me, became my mantra. And I realized that on my to-do list, the most important things were relationships and sharing my faith with patience, with my family, you know, what if they said no? I didn't care. I had tried. I had been obedient and trusted the Lord to do his work because I was doing my part. So that's kind of where I am today. I'm ordinary. I'm just like you guys. Uh, there are mountaintops and there are valleys. I haven't lived a perfect life, and I know that God's not done with me yet. And I also know for sure that wherever I am and whatever I'm going through, he's always with us. So think about what I've said. Maybe you needed to hear this. Maybe you go, I can't identify this. But I promise you that there are abundant blessings just waiting for you. God bless you all.